0: hoping you see the beauty in your numbers. Coleman Tax is a boutique tax firm that exclusively serves beautypreneurs. We help you save money by using tax planning and by getting your beauty business finances organized for you to make the best decisions for your business. Book your free tax strategy call at thebeautycpa.com. Hey, everyone, it's Brandy. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I absolutely enjoy bringing this awesome content to you. Look, beauty professionals, this show is for you, and I want to make sure we can continue to bring our awesome guests and awesome information to help empower the beauty community all over the world. You can help by doing your part in making a small donation. You can check our link in the show notes and donate right on Anchor, or we'll have another link available for you to do so. Thank you so much for supporting. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you're sharing it as well. As always, stay great. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandy Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Maxine Pittman. Welcome, Maxine. Hello. Good morning, ladies, and good morning, Brandy. Hello, good morning. Thanks so much for joining me. I am super excited to chat with you today. Before we get into Obsessed, Tresses, and all the things that you're doing with your business, tell us something about yourself that
1: most people would not know. Oh my gosh, Um, that most people wouldn't know. Um, I used to be a Girl Scout when I was little. I guess that's like a fun fact about me. Um, I was very active in a lot of activities. I was on the swim team. I ran track. I was a lifeguard at the community pool. Um, so, and I was a Girl Scout. So I guess that's a fun fact.
0: Thanks for sharing. Thanks for
1: sharing.
0: I I think you are the first person who shared that they were once a Girl Scout. I wasn't a Girl Scout, but my daughter was. So I remember the Girl Scout days. (laughs) Ah, okay. Was she a
1: Brownie or a Daisy or... No, we did It didn't last very long. <laughs> oh, she said girl scouting is not for me. why? Oh. Yeah. Because it.
0: it required more of me than she wanted. You know what I mean? Like oh. all the things the parents have to do. Oh and my God. Like I don't think she wants it this bad for me to have to go through all of
1: this. So <laughs> he's like, mom doing more work than me. We don't, we both <laughs> don't want to do it. I get it. <laughs> right. So, I feel like, I, it was so long ago for me, it was when I was a little girl. So I remember pieces and parts, but I do remember the parents had to do a lot of like fundraising for us, but I, I feel like it helped me build like a community of girls that I could be friends with and, you know, build camaraderie and it helped you with, you know, your, your social skills with other people in your peer group. So I think that's what I got out of it, out of the most. And I probably built my like hustler skills from like a very young age. Cause you gotta like sell cookies and, you know, candy bars at the grocery store store and you know so
0: yeah I can see that I can see that I never thought about it like that but I can see it you know providing all of those things for you for sure yeah definitely definitely so also, so awesome so share your beauty story with us like how did you decide did you want to start your own beauty supply get into your own beauty business like just share mm-hmm. the beauty story with us
1: yeah. Um, so I originally started my company in in fall of 2019. I remember going live with my website, and it was the day after Thanksgiving. I was super excited about it. I had originally planned on doing an online beauty supply with um with you know the plans to make it a to do a brick and mortar. I originally wanted to open the first 24 hour beauty supply in Los Angeles. Um, I'm not sure where where are you based out of in Detroit. Detroit. Okay. So you're in a big city too. Um, And we had originally, because, you know, cities like Los Angeles, New York, Miami, they stay open all night, you know, um, for the most part. And, you know, I know they call New York, I think the city that never sleeps or maybe that's Vegas, but yeah, that's, yeah. And I know LA has similar features like that too. We have a lot of stuff that stays open late. Um, And because of that, I wanted to open a 24 hour beauty supply. That was the original plan. Um, But you know what they say, you plan and God laughs. So COVID hit. Um, a few months, I had actually originally planned on getting my brick and mortar, um, opening my first shop in May of 2020, but, you know, February came and then March came and everything started shutting down. I remember the job that I was working at the time. They were like, Hey, you know, we're all going inside, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, this is not going to work out. I don't know, you know, am I going to have to put my business on hold? And I started brainstorming and then, and I put this in my bio on my website, Um, I had had an online beauty supply. It wasn't really making a lot of money. Um, I, you know, I had, I'd probably say I had 20 to 30 products on my website. You know, I was still trying to figure out what it was to be a business owner and an entrepreneur and running a business and trying to do it right while making several mistakes in the process. And then I had a mentor at the time. I actually had two mentors, um, one who was a hairstylist for over 35 years, one who owned Um, a chain of beauty supplies and she also sold bundles of hair um, on her own website before she even opened her beauty supplies both of them were very seasoned you know women in their 40s had already been in the game a long time and both were both of them were mentoring me simultaneously and I had had a conversation with one of them and she let me know like you know, this is going to be, I don't know how the American shopping landscape is going to be after all of this COVID pandemic stuff is over, but we, in order for you to survive in your business to survive in this recession and survive this weird new normal that we have, you're going to need to know how to think quickly, think on your feet, think outside the box and pivot. And that's exactly what I did. And I remember saying to myself, like, okay, if this doesn't work out, like that I remember thinking to myself like there are only a few different industries that can survive a recession, I know it's one of them is marijuana one is guns, one is the beauty industry, because women are going to want to look good, no matter if they're in the House or not. Because um, you know we're still working we're still on camera with people we want, we want to present ourselves um, in a good fashion so. I said, okay, I'm going to stick with beauty, but maybe I should shift what I'm doing, my business. And I had always been fascinated with the vending machine industry. You know, I had looked at documentaries about vending machines, crazy types of vending machines in Asia, in Dubai, you know, vending machines that sold champagne, vending machines that sold gold, um, like sticks of gold, and vending machines that sold caviar in different places all over the world. Oh. And I know. Yeah, and I had traveled to a lot of different places and I realized like, hey, black women, we need our beauty supply items everywhere we go. And I wanted to bring two of my hobbies together, travel and um, beauty. And I realized like, when no matter where I was in the world, when I check into a hotel, they always give us those like little travel size, like shampoo, conditioner, body wash, but black women cannot use that stuff on our skin or in our hair. And I was like, well, what if I sold travel size, hair care and beauty items catered towards women of color in a vending machine. And I literally and I called my mentor again and I told her and she was like, do not tell anybody this idea. This is a million dollar idea. That's the first thing she said to me. And I was like and I had to literally keep it a secret from like, I'd say, April or May of twenty twenty. All the way till like December of 2020, I had to keep it a secret and anyone that I told about it, I was like, you got to sign a non-disclosure agreement. You got to sign an NDA, like making sure people know, like, don't talk to anybody about this. You know, I had photo shoots for my brand and stuff and I had everybody sign paperwork that they would not tell anybody about anything because I I didn't want to spill the beans too early and get ahead of myself and have people start competing with me um, way too early in the process because I still was trying to figure out what I was trying to do. Um, so yeah, so I ended up um rebranding, got a designer, rebranded everything. And the rest is history, I'd say. I mean, in 20 early 2021, I launched, I've already launched four machines. I have two more machines that I'm launching in the next few months too. So
0: awesome. So it's interesting how you know you had this idea because I think they say we all like have that million dollar idea once a year, right? Like you you at least have so right, that's why they tell you to write down your ideas write down things as they come to you because one of them is going to be that million dollar idea. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how you did the research on vending and you put those things together. You said like, okay, as a black woman, I know that when I travel, You know, I can't, you know, usually if we travel, we're not going to wash our hair, especially if it's just a short travel. Like if I'm just traveling for a week, I'm really not planning on washing my hair. My hair is in a style where I don't have to do that. So our needs are a little different when it comes to hair care. And as I see that you came up with the idea to provide that need even during travel, and I can really see the benefits of that as a Black woman myself, you know, having to make sure I have all of those things because I know I'm not going to be able to just, you know, find them readily available everywhere for me. So, but I'm glad, but what I wanted to talk about is you said you went and told your mentor and your mentor saw that it was a million dollar idea. And I'm glad that you had someone Who could see that and could pour into you and help you get, you know, bring this vision about? So now that you have this vision, you've planned it out, you talked to your mentor, and you haven't been able to tell anybody, you're going through all the things, trying to figure everything out. Take us along the journey of like really, you know, under, you know, getting into the vending industry, what this journey has been
1: like. Yeah, most definitely. I'm glad that you said that um, about my mentor because, you know, I feel like when I see other women who start their own business, some of them have like a grandmother that inspired them, that raised them, or like, you know, they have a mother or a father that's helping them along the way. And not that my parents haven't helped me. My parents have definitely been um, moral support as well as financial support on this journey. Um, but I couldn't immediately go to my parents. My parents didn't really know much about the beauty industry, you know, um, and I, you know, I felt like, You're right. I was happy that I had positioned myself with certain mentors in my life to where I could go to them and be like, hey, like get feedback, like, hey, is this a good idea or am I crazy? Um, But yeah, I mean, once I started, um, once I decided that this is exactly what I wanted to do, trust me, I thought I was going crazy too. I was like, okay, this could be a total flop and people may, you know, I may go through spending thousands and thousands of dollars and the public may respond to this, like, this is not what we want, or this is not what we need. Um, all of those thoughts went, had had gone through my mind, but I was like, you know what, I'm always one of those people where if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it 100%, especially if it's something that I'm passionate about, I'm going to see it till the end. Um, and it's been a crazy ride, very emotional. Um, uh, running a business definitely drains you. Like, you know, there are days where I feel like it takes everything out of me. Um, but I'm like, not only am i doing this for myself but i'm creating jobs for other women i'm creating internships for other women i'm cre- i'm bringing a solution to my community that that women of color need and that they ultimately want and that they deserve to have because the beauty industry let's be honest about it you know black women in particular we get the leftovers of everything at the end of the day in terms of the beauty industry we get the least amount of shelf space we don't get certain colors that match our skin color our skin tone um you know from certain brands you know it it takes big brands a long time to bring us what we need um, and a lot of the times we get you know we don't get what we need until a celebrity says something or until a company is getting sued or until a company is put on blast and dragged on social media and i wanted black women in particular and women of color to have luxuries that our white counterparts get all the time and don't even think twice about um so that was a big thing for me and and i know after I had initially spoken to my mentors, decided that that's what I was going to do. I went through the whole DBA process, um, also spoke with a business attorney you know, about contracts and things like that, how to facilitate this new transition, how to go from being just an online beauty supply to being a beauty vending company. Um, and because at that time, Beauty vending, with, like I think beauty vending didn't start till like December of 2020, around December of 2020. So it was still a new market. Um, I think right now I only have maybe two or three competitors, um, like big competitors that are doing exactly what I'm doing. Um, but other than that, I went through all the paperwork, you know, DBA. Um, I had already had an LLC. Um, so went through all that. Um, And then, you know, just made sure that all my ducks were in a row. Uh, It was a long process, you know, figuring out what industry do I want to be in? Do I want to be in gyms? Do I want to be in spas? Um, You know, do I want to be in college universities? Do I want to be in airports? Like what industries will work for me? And it's still a work in progress. Um, So that was basically how I spent my entire 2020 while everyone was inside. I was like, this time's going to pass anyway. I might as well build a business during this pandemic. So that's where my mindset was at.
0: Great. Now, how did you go through the process of deciding what you were going to include in this vending machine?
1: Oh, my gosh, that is still a long process. And let me just tell you, black women are very particular about what they want. So um, and women in general, you know, women in general, we're very picky in terms of our beauty products. And when we find something we like for our hair, our skin tone, we stick with it. Um it was, a, it was trial and error, you know, putting different items in the machine, seeing what sells, seeing what doesn't. And then also, and I tell people this all the time, what might be popular with my Arizona Folks might not be popular with my California folks or what might be popular, with, were in, my, popular in my California market may not be popular in my Las Vegas market. Um, and then also items that are really popular with people putting in website orders who live in places like Detroit or New York or Texas or Florida where we don't have machines yet. Those products may be popular with women in other states, but not popular with women on the West Coast. So I try, what I try to do is just offer, is continuously bring new products to my um to my audience and also just asking them like hey are there any brands that you guys want to see and a uh, more of in our machines are there any new products that you've learned about that you want to see um or any brands that you want us to do collaborations with or do partnerships with who we can carry um in our machines and then also not only carrying it's also a juggling act of not only carrying uh brands that we know about like q tips or you know, Nivea lotion or whatever, but also giving a shot to small Black-owned businesses. Um, I have two businesses that I'm actually working with right now. One of them is On The Edge, um, Edge Brushes. They're, you know, to lay your edges. And she's out of Compton, California, which I love is another California Black-owned business. We're going to be working with them um, in the next month or so, coming up, carrying their edge brushes in our machines. Also, other small businesses like um, brownages. I don't know if you're familiar with brownages, but they do... um, uh, brown, like, um, bandages for um, black and brown people, basically that are nude colors for our skin tone. Um, so I carry them in my machine right now too, along with the big heavy hitters like Cantu, Shea Moisture, um, you know, Carol's daughter, Talia Ajit. So it's always a balancing act. Um, and then when you enter new markets, it's, it's again, another rotating process of trial and error and seeing what your customers want.
0: Awesome. So have you had to build a team early on? Because if you have, uh, vending machines in multiple different locations, what's the process to even, you know, getting them at the locations and having them field regularly, you know, regularly and all those things?
1: Yeah. Um, so yes and no, I have a very small team right now. I have, um, two paid employees, uh, one paid intern, one unpaid intern, and then four brand ambassadors. Um, So right now, you know, it's not, I don't have, you know, tons of paid employees. We're still a small business and a small team. Um, But as we grow and we start entering new markets in new states, um, we definitely will be growing into a larger team. great! How many states are you in right now? Um, We are in three right now. So we have a pending contract in Nevada, and then we have two machines in Arizona and then two machines out here in California.
0: OK, now, is it difficult to, uh, you know, manage the machines to make sure that they have the proper stock of the products and all of those things? And, you know, just make sure everything is working properly. Do you, is there like another company that provides that? Like I'm not like for those of us that don't know how vending works. can you Right.
1: That? Yeah, no, of course. Um, Again, because beauty vending is a new um industry. You know, if we were if I had a vending, if I have vending machines that carried snacks, you know, sandwiches, chips, sodas, what everybody knows about regular vending machines, there are companies out there that will go and stock your stuff. And when I grow to be a bigger company and we get into, you know, Atlanta and Houston and Dallas and Detroit and New York City, I'm gonna probably have to use those um those services. Right now, um uh we you know we don't I I don't I think I'm answering your question correctly. Right now in the beginning, like in the beginning, it was very difficult to launch a bunch of machines at one time. And I'm one of those people that's like gung-ho, like we're going to do 50 machines at one time. And then I'm like, wait a minute, we can't do all that. Like we don't have the bandwidth for that. So let's scale back. Um, But as you, as with anything that you're learning and anything that's new for you in the beginning, yes, my first few machines, I was like pulling my hair out and my mom thought I was going to have a stroke. She was like, Yo, you are stressed out. Um, but as you do more machines, like right now, people come, like my interns or my employee will come to me and be like, oh, yeah, we have this issue with this machine. And I'm like, all right, well, let's handle it. Like and before I'd be like, oh, my God, stressed out. Like, how are we going to figure this out? You know, Um, and now I'm just like, hey, the machine's going to be down for a week or two weeks. You know, once we can get a tech out there to fix it, we can get a tech out there to fix it. And you just learn how to I think, the number one thing with me with being an entrepreneur was it it helped me learn how to be uncomfortable all the time because you're constantly learning new things you're constantly learning new processes and then even though you're vent you know when you're setting up vending machine after vending machine it gets easier because you're just doing you're doing this repetitive thing over and over there's still new problems that pop up so you're just like you know what we just gonna handle it and figure it out so yeah
0: great great what was the process to getting you know getting the products in there like did you have to have
1: like partnerships or contracts with different vendors how does that process work um i got kind of lucky because like i said i had two mentors who were already in the beauty industry who had connections for me at different vendors um with different brands um so i kind of piggybacked on that and coattailed off that and used those connections already to because You know, as I told the story before, I already had the online beauty supply before this. So I already had my relationships with big vendors and brands that I knew I wanted to carry. So I just kind of carried that into what I was doing with the vending machines
0: great great and you talked a lot about like it's a lot of trial and error just really surveying the clients kind of seeing like what products they want in you know different locations um how have you been going about you know surveying and you know getting an understanding for what your target market wants in each area
1: um i think there are there like i like i was saying before there are like I each, you know, my machines carry 50 to 60 products. Um, so I think there's like the staple stuff that all women want shampoo, conditioner, leaving conditioner, lotion, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then there's like specialty stuff that only I would carry in certain markets. Like like for instance, the we have some machines that are going in Vegas. There's certain things that I can sell in Las Vegas, you know, like condoms, like, you know, crazy looking glitter acrylic nails that are press on, stuff that people that I know in Las Vegas will buy because they're ready to party. They're ready to party all night and they're they're in Las Vegas, they want to live it up and get lit and get turned up. And I would never sell those things in other markets like LA or Arizona um, or Dallas. Um, because it's a different, you know, you know, people need their essential regular stuff. Like shampoo, conditioner, et cetera. But then there's like the specialty stuff, which is like probably 10 to 15 items that are different from there, that vary from each market to each market. Like in Arizona, we sell a crap ton of sunscreen. Why? Because it's 110 degrees in Arizona all the time. Um, You know, or we we have like a spray that a sun spray that's for your hair that protects your hair from sun. Um, Stuff like that is stuff that I'm going to sell in places like Arizona, because it's 110, 115 degrees all the time. Am I going to sell those things a lot when we start getting into Houston or Miami? Probably not. Um, You know, and then you know, we've also been looking at places like Seattle. Um, we've had some people reach out to us from you know, Seattle, um, Washington area. I know that it rains a lot out there. So I know I should probably carry, uh, pon- you know, hair ponchos in those machines because it rains a ton in Seattle. Would I be able to sell something like that in Arizona? No, because it's always sunny. So it's just different things like that, that you got to keep into account and, um, and observe. And, and, and like I said, ask your customers, Hey, are there any brands that you want us to carry? Cause customers will tell you, trust me.
0: Yeah, I think they will for sure. And I love that, that you're, you know, really testing the markets kind of paying attention to like what the needs may be in those particular areas. And then also surveying the customers asking them what they want is a great way to do. It. I think oftentimes a lot of people kind of sleep on that one. Like just really, if you want to know what you should put out there, you know, ask the question, ask
1: your potential clients, what do they want from you? Right. Well, and I was like that too. Um, like I, I had had this vision for my company. I was like, we're going to carry this, 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 this. And then I realized like, these people don't want this. Because if they did, you know, this product wouldn't be sitting here collecting dust in this rack for two months. So, you know, I had to let my ego go for a little bit about what products I thought customers wanted and be like, Maxine, ask your customers. Ask your audience, have your interns and your employee ask them when they, when, when your employees are stocking the machines, make sure that they're talking to customers. You know, if customers, you know, you, I'm sure you've seen what our machines look like. They're big, they're bright, they're pink. Customers will walk by and they'll talk to my employees as they're stocking the machines and say, hey, what is this? And my employee will say, hey, customers said that they want this. They said that they wish you would carry this. And then I take that into account when I'm putting in my inventory orders.
0: The Beauty Pro Mastermind Program is an amazing community for beauty pros and beauty brand owners who wish to fine tune their minds for success through clarity and focus, mastering client attraction strategies, diversify their income, and so much more. If you're a serious beauty pro who is great with self-paced learning open to change from the inside out and serious about leveling up in these areas, then the Beauty Pro Mastermind Program is for you. Find out more and sign up for a free beauty pro discovery call today. So what are you excited about um, right now when it comes to your brand? Are there any new things coming soon? Are you adding new locations? What's going on?
1: Yes, Um, I'm excited for two things. Um, I'm excited for some airports that we are going to be entering. Um, I don't have exact dates, so I can't say right now, but we are definitely looking to get into some airports end of this year, beginning of 2022. Um, so starting to figure out where, what big cities we want to be in. We're definitely looking at the Atlanta market as well as out here in Los Angeles and also Oakland. Um, so not sure where we're gonna go with that, um, but things are still in in the contract process with that. Um, and then also getting into men's vending machines um, because we carry, you know, like I said, around 60 products in our machines, and I'd probably say about five or six products out of the 60 that we carry are men's products. Um, Because I know men do walk past our machines and may look inside and want to purchase stuff too. But I want to have vending machines specifically for men. You know, if you're a man and you're rushing for a business trip, or you're in the airport, I want you to be able to get your do-rag or your pomade or your gel, um, you know, uh, or your hairbrush, um, gum, mints. Condoms, things like that, um, that men need when they're traveling as well. And I want to make it very clear that yes, although we are a company for women on the go uh, and women that are traveling, we also wanna be for that woman who you know needs uh, a, st- a car stash, you know, women, women who have travel size products that they can throw in their glove box or throw in their middle console in their car to freshen up when they're going here and there and they're running errands with their kids, but also women who work out at the gym every day and they wanna have their shampoo and conditioner and travel sizes to throw in their gym bag to freshen up after their workouts. Um, so there's several ways people, people can use our brand but I want us to be a one-stop shop for all travel size beauty.
0: Awesome. Now, since there aren't many competitors doing the same thing that you do in this space, have you thought about maybe possibly franchising it or op- offering the
1: opportunity to others? Yes. Um, so many people have said, oh my gosh, when we went viral in March, I probably had about 200 women not even joking reach out to me like I want to franchise with you I want to franchise with you little do people know like I have two business degrees so and there are things that I know I don't even know so I'm still in the process of of not only reaching out to franchise boards and organizations that help small businesses franchise to figure out if this is even something that my business is ready for because Franchising takes a lot of money. You have to hire executive people to your board and pay those people, pay those people six-figure salaries in order to franchise. Um, People, I feel like small businesses use the word franchise very loosely um, because if you're legally franchising your company and doing it the way that Subway does it or the way that McDonald's does it, that takes a lot of money um, and like, you know, six figure money. Um, and I think right now my business is still in the growth stage and we're still trying to solidify what our business model is. Um, so I don't think my business is ready for franchising yet, but we definitely have been in the talks of doing it in the future, you know, some years down the line, once we've solidified our business model and we have the cash flow to back it and do that. We definitely um, would love to do that.
0: Great, great. And I think that shows your level of maturity, just being honest. Like, you know, we're not there yet, but it's something that maybe in the future I would like to visit. Because it's like every idea, though it may be a great idea, it might not be a right now idea, right? So it might not be something you need to implement in your business right now, but it might be a great idea. But just to throw something out there, Maxine, you know, you may not franchise it, but you may can teach it. It may can be a
1: course Oh, oh. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Funny. That's something you can do sooner than later. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and okay. I mean, I, I definitely want to do courses for women. I already offer, um, just so people know, I offer a consultation. Um, we're actually... Actually, bumping the price down, we were charging $350 for 30 minute phone calls um, for vending consultations. I'm actually charging $350 for an hour now. So, you get more time with me to ask all the questions that you need to ask. You also get supplier information. So, I'll give them, you know, um, when they schedule a vending consultation, I do give them my supplier's information so they can reach out to them and start using the suppliers that I use. Um, and I also offer a, a vending ebook as well. It's just um, a, a, a beginner's guide for people who are just getting into. The industry and need a little guidance. Um, it's not really extensive, but it definitely helps you um, with all the basics um, in terms of entering the market. You know, and and you can use that book whether you're doing beauty vending or you're doing snack vending or whatever you're selling in a vending machine. So
0: great. What would you say is the biggest
1: lesson that you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey thus far? Um, the biggest lesson that I have learned is how to be flexible. Well, there's two. I would say. Not only learning how to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, but um, learning how to be flexible because things change in business all the time. Um, and you need to be able to be flexible enough to stay professional, to, um, to, Uh, always be always bring your like put your best foot forward even if you're not getting what you want out of something because you never know things could change later on down the line and you don't want to have a sudden reaction to something and then that messes up an opportunity for you in the future um and then also i would have to say um not giving up because being being a business owner like people say like i hate you know i hate to say this but social media glamorizes being a business owner and people don't realize like it takes a lot out of your pocketbook it takes a lot out of you emotionally it takes a lot out of you physically and if you aren't ready for that you're not ready to be a business owner and an entrepreneur as cool as it sounds everybody wants to be an entrepreneur maybe you just need to stay in your nine to five and invest your nine to five money in passive income but being a hands-on business owner takes a lot out of you so that's probably what I've learned the most is take you know just take your self-care time take your vacations um you know because it'll take a lot out of you
0: it does and it's not for the faint of heart it's not easy and it's not as glamorous as it looks you know you have to really want this thing because it's hard it's not as glamorous and I'm glad you said that because so many people think, like, oh, I want to be the boss, I want to be the boss, but there is a cost to being the boss. And mm-hmm. you have to ask yourself that question are you ready to pay the cost? Sometimes you're going to work more than your nine to five. To me, it's easier. it was easier for me to be in my nine to five because I went Monday through Friday, nine to five. I got my check every two weeks, bam, it was in my account. That was it. But as an entrepreneur, you know, you got different, I have multiple streams. I have different invoices that have to come through. I have different things I have to do. And sometimes I'm working more than nine to five. And You know, there's a lot of things that goes into it that people don't tell you, but where I'm not knocking an entrepreneur out. I love the opportunity to be able to do what I love, but it's not easy and it's not always glamorous. And I wish more people would just share that so that people know don't jump out and just put your job just yet,
1: honey. Yeah. And I'm, and that, and that, and that is another reason why I did beauty products in the vending machine. You know, I would sit in front of my vanity and put on my makeup and try all these different cosmetics and hair care and things like that. Cause those were things that I enjoyed. I could never see myself getting as far as I have with my business. If I was selling chips and sandwiches, cause I'm not passionate about chips and sandwiches or sodas. Like if you want to do that as your passive income, baby, by all means do it. But I couldn't see myself getting that far at getting as far as I have so far with, doing so, putting something in my vending machines that I'm not interested in. Like some people are interested in Air Jordans, honey, by all means have at it. I'm not interested in Air Jordans. So I don't think I would have gotten this far selling, you know, something that I'm not interested in because it being, owning a business will beat the heck out of you. You know, I sat on a call the other night, I was on a call, um, from 11 PM to about one 30 in the morning with a supplier, um, trying to sh- troubleshoot what was going on with the machine. Um, so, and you know, you don't do that in your nine to five after five o'clock, you clock out and you're done with it. Um, you know, so, and then all week, you know, on Fridays, you're like, Oh, oh, I got that email at 439. I won't answer that till Monday. It doesn't work like that with your own business. You got to be on it and be on all the time. Definitely. I would agree. Thanks for sharing that. I think that's definitely some great
0: advice. Most people don't think about that. So what would you tell someone who, okay, you had this million dollar idea. Your mentor told you they had a million dollar idea. So what would you tell the person right now? Like I have a million dollar idea. You know, what would you tell them? They, they have this idea. They just came up with it and they think it's something great. What would you tell them? What advice would you give
1: that person? Uh, Do your research. um, Because whatever amount of money you think you're going to be spending, you will be spending way more than that. Um you know, figure out, start getting, you know, figuring out your funding, whether it's be get money from mommy and daddy, or if you're going to pull money out of your savings, um, if you're going to go through a bank and get a loan, if you're going to apply for grants. um, And just because you do apply for those loans and those grants, know that you may not get them. So have a backup plan to that. Um, Do your research of your industry, know who your competitors are, know what your competitors are doing. um, And be mindful that your competitors are watching what you're doing also. So um keeping that in mind And then make sure that it's something that you want to do. Don't be doing it because your friends are doing it or doing it because you saw somebody on social media doing it. Do it because you actually want to do it. And that's what you're passionate about. And make sure that you are solving a problem in your community, because a lot of markets are oversaturated um, and everybody wants to do, you know, cryptocurrency and everybody wants to do Bitcoin and all those types of things. Um, And that's all fine and good. But make sure that whatever industry you're in, make sure that it's not oversaturated, um, you know but they always use the analogy of there's a bunch, you know, when you go into the grocery store, there's a hundred. Yeah. There's a bunch of different brands selling bread. Yes, that's absolutely correct. Um, but make sure that you do your research, make sure that you're getting into something that you really want to get into and that you're solving a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and make sure you know what will make you stand out from the rest, especially when you're getting in a crowded market, right? So you have to have some type of brand story. What's going to make your brand different from every other brand out there as well? But great tips, Maxine. Thank you so much for sharing that. So as we're winding down, I will actually ask you actually, the last few questions I like to ask everyone on the uh, podcast. So my first one
1: would be, how do you stay motivated? Um, Money motivates everybody. So um, I would say, <laughs> I would say money, Um, definitely just knowing the potential that my business can bring in. And then also knowing like one thing that I did not think would motivate me that that definitely surprised me was seeing the look on women's faces when they see my machines and how excited they get and being like, you know, when they tell me like, oh my God, when are you coming to Atlanta? When are you coming to this? Just seeing how excited they are. I'm like, yo, this is cool. Um, that, and I'm like, yo, they're excited about, you know, I remember working for somebody, you know, working for other companies and working for someone else and people being excited about a product that I was selling that. And I would go home at the end of the day and be like, I'm miserable. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I'm working for somebody else, but I'm supposed to act excited. But with my own business, it's not like that. Like, I'm like, yo, they're excited about something that I built, Like that gets that keeps me motivated. Um, And then also seeing my brand ambassadors and my employees and my interns being excited about different projects that we're working on or different, you know, different things that we're looking to do, like Curl Fest and participate in Essence Fest and, um, you know, BeautyCon and these different things that are fun that they want to do. And being able to include them in on the process is very motivating, because if I quit tomorrow, all of that goes away. Um, so definitely being motivated by that and seeing women being motivated Um, also on the business side seeing other women come up to me and be like yo you inspired me to get off my butt and finally start my candle business or start you know my other beauty you know something else in beauty that they wanted to do that they had been hesitant on and then they saw me on Instagram or Facebook or heard about me through a friend or whatever and then that inspired them to start their own business if I quit tomorrow and give up you know how many other hundreds of thousands of women are not gonna be inspired by what I'm doing because I'm no longer doing it? Um, so I'd say that definitely motivates me more than money. Um, but the money part is good too. you know, knowing like, hey, I'm building generational wealth for myself. If I decide to have children, this is something I could pass on to them. So those are the things that definitely motivate me.
0: Great. So share a business secret that you've learned since you've been on your entrepreneurial journey. Mm -hmm. It might be something simple, but it was something game changer. Like share one of your secrets with us.
1: A secret. Oh my gosh. No, you got me. That's a really good question. Cause I'm like, uh, so my mother has always said to me, um, work smarter, not harder. So I would say for me, just creating shortcuts in terms of, um, I, and I mean, this is just something small, but like keeping supplies that I would need in the vending machine so that, you know, we aren't going to go wasting time to go to the store and go get stuff. Um, you know, just something as simple as that. Um, in terms of, I would say that's not really a, a business secret or a industry secret. I would have to say if I had any secret at all, just network your butt off and use your connections. Um, you know, I had a friend who went to Afrocella, and he met all the girls that run curl fest. And I immediately was like, Hey, get me in with them. Hey, I need to get a boot that curl fest. So using your connections, I would say, um, getting past your fears. If you're a shy person, I'm not shy at all. I'm very talkative. As you can see, I talk way too much. Um, and I've always been an extrovert since I was a kid. So it's easy for me to get out there. Um, but even just Learning new skills and networking with people. You know, I have people who are like, hey, I know this VP at this HBCU, you know, or I really want to, you know, uh, help you with this, this, this. Learning how to say, okay, when people want to help you, take that help. Uh, Because it's hard out here for an entrepreneur if you're a one woman show. So I say that, I guess that would be my business secret. I don't really have any business secrets.
0: That was great. It was awesome. You shared some great secrets. I don't have any business secrets. (laughs) Those were good secrets. Trust me. Trust me. Because even when you say having enough supplies, I want to share something briefly. I was a makeup artist for years. And what I used to find myself doing constantly was every time I had a photo shoot every time I had a you know event buying lashes so Mm -hmm. my secret was finding a wholesale company where I could buy the lashes in bulk and I always had that on deck because that was something I used my clients regularly so Mm -hmm. your that was a great secret you shared just making sure you always have the products on deck. so soon as you run out of the q-tips you got to go run and get it soon as you run out of the shade moisture you don't have to go you know you have those things in deck so girl you share
1: some good secrets (laughs) Right, right. And I mean, you know, you know, just I mean, because you learn this stuff over time when you keep bumping your head and making the same stupid mistakes, you learn like, okay, maybe I should have done that differently. Um, And, you know, like I said, and when I'm installing different machines, because I've made mistakes with previous, I'm like, oh, let me, I'll have a checklist. Like, let me make sure I do this, this, this. Let me reach out to this person. Let me make sure that these things are in a line. So when we install this machine on install day um, and our launch day, everything, you know, we can minimize the amount of mistakes and minimize the amount of costly mistakes. So I, I would say that is probably a business hack or a business secret for me. Um, You know, try to work smarter, not harder, because things are going to be hard anyway. Don't make it harder on yourself than you have to. Right, right. I love it. I love it. Yeah.
0: So the final thing would be just like share like your favorite resource that helps keep you empowered. Like whether it's a mastermind group you're a part
1: of, a book that you read, a podcast you listen to, share share that with us. Yeah. Um. Oh my God. I'm a I'm the podcast queen. I listen to podcasts in the car. I listen to podcasts at home. Love podcasts. Um, the po- this is what I'll do. I'll tell you the podcast that I'm listening to a lot right now. Listening to Earn Your Leisure. Um, it's two black guys, um, and they basically cover a lot of different business topics. I also love my cousin put me onto this podcast. Um, it's called How I Built This, and it's by Guy Raz, um, and he interviews um, CEOs and founders of companies that were very that started off very small, and they basically tell their whole journey of you know their challenges and trials and tribulations on making. Their way to the top, you know, companies like uh uh MailChimp, you know, uh companies like Canva, different business companies, and how they started off really small and then they basically blew up. So it helps me stay motivated. Like, okay, if they went through this, then I'm on the right track. Um, on days where I'm not feeling so good about you know what I'm going through as an entrepreneur because it is an emotional roller coaster, listening to different podcasts like that will motivate me. Um, I also love that Amanda Seals podcast. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but I love Amanda Seals um, and how frank she is about different things that happen in society. So I'd say those are like the top three that I'm listening to right now that keep me motivated.
0: So thanks for sharing. I'll make sure I uh, link those in the show notes. So Maxie, it has been absolutely great having you on a podcast today and learning more about you and your awesome business.
1: Can you tell everyone how they can connect with you? Yes, definitely. Um, you guys can, we're on right now. We are on our main two is Facebook and Instagram. We still have our old name on Facebook, which is Tress Obsessed Beauty Supply. I haven't changed it yet. So Tress Obsessed Beauty Supply on Facebook. Um, we're also on Twitter, Tress Beauty on Twitter, on yeah, on Twitter. Um, and then on Instagram, we are on, um, I get our Instagram handle is Tress Obsessed LA. Uh, and then we're also getting more into TikTok and Snapchat, but we're not on those too much. So um, so those are our main three. And then if you want to shop our website, we offer over 60 travel size um, beauty and hair care products for men and women of color um, on our website, as well as uh, if you want to shop our ebook or book a vending consultation with me, you can do that on our website. And our website is www.mytressobsessed.com.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I'll make sure I have all of that information in the show notes. Maxine, thanks again for being on the podcast. Maxine Pittman, everybody, make sure you check her out. As always, stay great and we're out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Taylor and Facebook at I am Taylor. I want to connect with you, so let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.